out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Indeed. Thank you, Jim. Hello and welcome to the C86 Show. I'm David Eastor. As always, playing the finest in indie pop. And you probably gather we love a special guest. This week, it is going to be the turn of the Liverpool bass band Candy Opera, because I spoke to guitarist Brian Chin Smithers a few weeks, months, years ago. I can't remember. It's all in the past. Um, to find out more about life, love, poetry, and all that other usual groovy stuff. Um, and this is the interview. I have to warn you. <laughs> Not really warn you. But um, yes, this was the second attempt uh, because the quality of the first recording, uh, I think it was the connection wasn't very good. So then we sort of reconnect again. I know there's a lot of details. You don't really need to do that. But um, after a few minutes of sorting all that out, Generally, quality-wise, not too bad. Um, and uh, yes, I then asked that amazing question about the formation of the band. And this is Brian's response. Brian, it is over to you. Yeah, no, the only thing is, I, I can't give you complete background on, on when the band started because um, I wasn't in the band when they started. I uh, joined the band around the mid-'80s, so they'd already had quite a rich history before before I uh, before I became a member. So I, I joined about the end of 1985, I think, and they'd already had, you know, four four or five years of uh, uh, gigging around Liverpool, and you know, I think they'd even been to London for for gigs and stuff like that, and uh, had their um, Honeysuckle Rose uh, demo uh, released, and so they'd they'd already built up a fair a fair kind of fan base in Liverpool before I before I joined them. Yes, and obviously, um, so Liverpool, and obviously Liverpool has an amazing history because I sort of, having spoken to a lot of people from Liverpool for this show, I didn't, yeah. I did sort of have an idea because there are just so many bands that came out and there was, I think Cherry Red Records brought out a seven or five CD compilation of um, sort of music from uh, the Liverpool scene. And, and so what is the... Yeah, there was so much people in Liverpool at the time. It was a really kind of... Yes, and um, so what was the kind of re- is it just the sort of size of the, of the place, or is it be just because there's just so many creative people or, or opportunities to be in bands? I don't know. I, I guess it's a, 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 a mixture of all those things. I mean, it's just a, a, a city that's kind of rich in in this kind in these kinds of musical cultures, and uh, you know, back in the eighties, things things uh, probably weren't quite as 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 good as they are now in 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 the city in the, in the city's development and uh, you know music was was always a way of getting together with people and doing something positive so I think I think out of that you know loads of bands decided to form and 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 do their thing and you know Candy Opera was one of them yes because obviously it's kind of also got it's famous for several things including Eric's this club isn't it which seems to be a place that's sort of Help that sort of punk post-punk period, and and sort of attract yeah. any bands who were slightly alternative to the area. So yeah. was that one of the places that you also had gravitated towards? Funnily enough, no, because I was too young. <laughs> I'm I'm like a slightly uh, younger member of the band, and there, there were. I mean, I heard about Eric's, you know, the famous venue, all kinds of great bands, uh, uh, punk bands and stuff played there. But I was just a little bit too young. There's another venue called the Warehouse, which I was too young for. Um, and just as I was old enough to start going out and, 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 and 
you know, go to see bands and clubs. Um, Eric's had closed and, and the warehouse had closed. So I was a slightly later in, in the era. In the era. Yes. Um, and obviously when bands have their moment, and I sort of found this from doing the show, mostly they have this kind of a five-year narrative of getting together, making a bit of a sound. They release a single. And if John Peel picks it up and plays it, it gives them that mm-hmm. sort of big boost and launch into a slightly bigger kind of scene because obviously before that they're just going to be playing in front of friends and family in their kind yeah. of but that kind of often gave people the opportunity to play elsewhere and get booked in you know art centers around the country and then the mm-hmm. album and then sort of normally about five years and then most people have had enough for various reasons you know dynamically and financially there's you know they've kind of got had enough and the second album or even the third if they're lucky never quite mm-hmm. really happens for them but to have a band that yeah. begins and then and then has a change of members i mean did it have complete change of members or were there any members from phase one to phase two that were with the band yeah i mean the only real kind of thread through the whole thing is is mal um he's he's the main as you may know the main uh front man and, and songwriter so he's the kind of backbone of the whole thing really but candy opera had a, a you know kind of a more than a decade long history and as i say i i became part of that history halfway through it kind of thing and uh, i think one of the challenges for mal was always Finding uh, you know the right people who would commit to stuff and and people who'd be in, really into the music and, and as passionate about it as, as he was. So Candy Opera, I mean, I think I think at the last count, Candy Opera's had about eighteen different band, band members uh, throughout all that period. Um, and I know for him, it was sometimes a challenge to you know get people to sort of commit and and and, and stay with it and do things. And um, so yeah, it was quite it was quite a, a windy uh, history really. Yeah, uh, and then after I joined the band, things kind of stabilised a little bit because we we, we then got a a, um, a drummer and a bass player who were committed to the band, and then we started to make headway and started to uh, you know play on the university circuit and stuff like that. We had a couple of really good support tours with another Liverpool act called Thomas Lang and um, another one called The Farm. Oh yeah. Um, and so, and so we started to kind of uh, develop a bit after that. But yeah, it it it, it did take quite a, a long, windy path for us to get to the lineup that we got to uh, in the end. Because obviously, um, from sort of, you know, all these kind of compilations and my, from memory as well, Liverpool was kind of bringing out all these kind of um, bands and artists who, you know, obviously John Peel was always going to favour slightly having such a connection yeah. with Liverpool. So was it, did you ever sort of find yourselves, especially the sort of phase one of the band, sort of seeing everybody else like Julian Cope taking off and, you know, Echo and the Bunny Men, etc. Yeah. And and sort of think, God, when's our turn? You know, because was, was it the case that, of getting that sort of hit single that really made, you know, gave you that extra exposure? I, I think, I mean, like, I think it was great seeing bands from Liverpool uh, have success back then because, you know, we all loved, uh, well, we loved the Pale Fountains, we loved Back on the Bunny Men and the Teardrops and it was great to see them. Um, and, and it's, you know, I guess inspiring, but um, if, you, if uh, you know a little bit about the history of Candy Opera, they, they, Candy Opera never quite managed to get to that platform where they could get a deal and where they could put a single out and you know get them up to the next stage and that's that's kind of what we were fighting to do uh, at the end uh, but with but to no avail you know uh, I mean the nearest kind of interest we had was from Go Discs um, who signed quite a few bands at the time and you know they were interested in us and, and we recorded for EMI as well but but you know they didn't they didn't take take it any further so that kind of put the block on it really for for Candy Opera but 
you know, this is after sort of 10 years of, uh, you know, of trying uh, to get a deal and trying to get on that next platform. And, you know, we just didn't quite, didn't quite manage to do it. Yes. In fact, it's, it's as, as you now know, it's taken us a, <laughs> another, you know, 25 years uh, for, for, for our rock and roll dreams to come true. So <laughs> kind of all happening now. Yes. Well, I've, I've sort of met a few bands who who've had a slightly similar story, bizarrely, of sort of having almost three decades and then sort of getting. Yeah. Yeah. So Daniel caught the train was another one of these. Daniel bands. takes a train. Yeah. Yeah. That's another fire station band. I read about them recently and they've, they've yeah. had lots of good press and everything. So, yeah, their, their story is similar to ours. And, and I guess we both have to thank uh, Uwe, who is the head of uh, fire station records, basically, because you know he's a, he's a, he's our champion and he's he's a man who's who's you know in love with all this kind of uh, music uh, that we all used to make so it's great to have someone like fire station on side and uh, yes. you know being a champion for our kind of music it's fantastic did, did you have a moment then you know if there's such a um, time of when you you know this is when the band finished uh, several decades ago decided to call it a day or did you just all stop phoning each other or meeting I guess it was a frustration, really. I mean, everyone was kind of frustrated because we were nearly there, and then, and then we tried to sort of capture, you know, a bit of what was going on at the time. There was a lot. There was things like the Happy Mondays coming out of Manchester and the Stone Roses and stuff like that. So we slightly kind of changed the direction of the music of the band, and but that didn't quite work out that well for us. And in the end, it was just like frustrations all round. Um, and I think I think when I after I'd left the band, they carried on for for a little while and did a couple of things. Um, but you know, it just it just basically fell apart and drifted apart. Yeah. But the, the one the one great thing is that even in all these, uh, you know, the, in the last intervening twenty five years, Mal has still been passionate about songwriting, and you know, we've got a whole catalogue of stuff there that that um, I'm hoping will you know get out there and see the light of day. So. We're looking forward to next year uh, when hopefully we can you know, try and maybe get another album out. Yeah, because I sort of realised, sort of, for me anyway, I mean, this isn't completely a watertight theory, but, you know, for me, indie pops, you know, was that sort of 83 to 87. That's basically the, the lifespan of the Smiths. I mean, I know there was a bit after and yeah. a bit before that, but then after the Smiths finished, there was that sort of dance scene, as, as you sort of mentioned, with Happy Mondays and Manchester and the Stone Roses. And, yeah. And obviously the farm. And then there was the kind of Seattle grunge scene. And that if, if yeah. thing didn't kill a lot of bands off. The other sort of definitely, you know, Seattle definitely sort of wiped a lot of bands out on that. So I really, yeah. but I hadn't realised how fickle, and I should do, because I'm one of those people, you know, the fan, <laughs> the fan is, you know, like, oh God, we're really bored of it. Even though you might be really obsessed with you know, your favourite band for a year or two, and you buy the album and you go and see them. When they bring the next album out, you know, unfortunately, sometimes the fan decides not to keep going with them and and for, yeah. and for the lineup of the band they just think oh cheers mate you know we'll uh, mm-hmm. we'll just kind of give up after spending all our life kind of trying to make a sound to please you so I didn't realize just how difficult that was for music. yeah it was a funny time and, and we just kind of lost direction a bit really um they, they uh, for some reason we decided to change the, na- the name of the band for the Wailing Souls but then uh, you know the, the music slightly changed into to try and get more into that sort of baggy Manchester thing, but that didn't really work, and you know it was all a, it was all quite a frustrating time, really. But um, yes, and did um, um, but, you know, it, and when when sort of um, 
Uve from Fire Station got in touch with the band. Was there, had you sort of kept in touch amongst yourselves during those decades? Yeah, a little bit. Not not much, because I, I mean, I, I moved to uh, Brighton uh, 15 years ago, so I moved away from Liverpool. And uh, I was in a little bit of email contact with Mal over the years now. Again, you know, the odd, uh, the odd line that way. And, and, you know, I've only just kind of got my head around social media in the last couple of years. But yeah, when, when we, Uber got in touch, um, it was, it was amazing. It was, uh, you know, we all just got back in each other's lives again. And, uh, and it's been fantastic. You know, the last uh, six to 12 months have been just amazing for us. Yeah. And pulling the material, because obviously you've got that compilation that came out. Um, was it tricky to sort of get hold of it? Because I know from certain people and bands it's like oh my god I don't know if we still got the recordings and some of them were a bit hit and miss I didn't so how did it cope with um Candy Opera yeah it was difficult we all we were all all of us were digging around in our cupboards and lofts and uh, and boxes for old master tapes and uh and cassettes and anything with the you know with the music on and um I mean the the, the thing that got Uber brought Uber to us was, was my YouTube page basically and he heard some of the stuff on, on that that I'd put up um, so we had to scour around for any masters that we could find to get get the best quality recordings out there so yeah it, it's been it's been a bit tricky but um, an enjoyable process I have to say yeah and like um, is it Daniel takes a train takes the train I mean mm-hmm. they've obviously sort of really enjoyed sort of meeting up with each other again because cause I actually did an interview with um, one of the one of them, and I think it was um, Daniel decided to, um, at, at a stage in the band's career, and things weren't really going anywhere, to, to sort of, um, he got into a relationship and they moved down to Spain, and that was basically mm. the end of the band. So obviously, coming back together again, was that an enjoyable process? Because obviously, as with most of us, you know, you sort of grow apart from yeah. the friends, and so then meeting up can be a really nice experience. It's been, it's been amazing for us, uh, and it, it's, it's nice to... Um remember how how well we got on as, as, a, as a band you know uh, and it's nice to be back in each other's lives and, and you know we just this last six months and everything all the rehearsals we've been doing and then that gig we, we did our first gig last uh, Saturday before last um, it's just been an amazing experience and it's you know we're, we're having a real good laugh you can imagine this is this is the most exciting thing that's happened to all of us uh, in, 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 in many a year so um, we are just enjoying the hell out of the whole thing, um, you know, for as long as it lasts. It's fantastic. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned earlier, um, there's, you're, you're also hoping to record new material as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in fact, um, me and Mal have been uh, writing little bits and pieces together over the last six months since we've been rehearsing, you know, in downtime. So we've got a lot of, uh, quite a lot of new material that we're hoping um, fans of the first album will would like would you know, be interested in hearing as well. So we'd like to we'd like to kind of bring Candy Opera bang up to date. Yes. With some new with some new material. So so I really hope people would uh, be interested in hearing it. Yeah, and obviously when people move on, especially in the world of music, and and you know it's unlike, unlike sort of I suppose people like the Rolling Stones who managed to just keep going, and also you too. You know, did yeah. you put all your instruments away and think, well, that was enough for that, and and we're just going to get on with our lives? Because I was just wondering if you suddenly all had to kind of a find your instruments and then learn how to play them again. And as for the vocalists, you know, not only learn yeah. lyrics, but sort of whether they still got the vocal capacity. Yeah, yeah. Um, funnily enough, a mixture of both. Because I mean, I, I've had uh, myself personally, I've had a few uh, musical projects over the years that I've tried to get off the ground. Um, and, and as I said before, Mal has been. 
pretty much consistently writing songs throughout all these last you know 25 odd years um so he's kept his hand in in the songwriting thing um uh, frank the bass player has been quite quite regularly playing in bands and stuff like that ken uh the original guitarist i, I don't think he'd, he'd done that much um up until recently um so yeah it's a bit of a mixture really so we've we've all had to kind of dust off the uh the cobwebs a little bit and uh you know get practicing hard yeah what we've been doing and because there was so good. and because there was so you know like you had two bands almost wasn't there did you sort of you know when you sort of come back and you're sort of going to be candy opera you know the new improved 2.3 version or whatever the new yeah. you know, like did it you know because you can't have two bass players and two drummers did you have to sort of work out who was going to be in the new improved band and yeah but that was that yeah that was one of the difficulties actually because obviously we couldn't have you know two bass players two drummers and i, I don't even know how many guitarists we have six guitarists or something um and a couple of keyboard players so it was a, it was a challenge but it was kind of um really about mal kind of picking his best team if you like um so we had to kind of take responsibility for making decisions about um who we who we'd have in the new, in the new lineup so you know, I hope um, I hope future audiences enjoy his uh, his, his choices. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a mix between the phase one and phase two candy opera, or was it just you know the la- you know the, the the latter candy opera who kind of made it through on the X Factor? Well, when we when we played the the gig in Liverpool last Saturday, um, Ken um, is is in the lineup, and Ken is it was the original um, guitarist with the band before I was even in candy opera, so. So he's kind of been brought forward from from phase one, um, and also Carl, who's uh, another uh, guitarist in the original lineup, he got up and di- did a song with us, uh, which is you know which was really nice. It was nice to have him up as well. So, so but moving forward, you know, we we now basically have uh, the lineup with with uh, Ken and me, both of us um, sort of sharing uh, lead and rhythm guitar duties, and it's quite nice. It's, it's it's working really well. Yes, and it must be. I mean, as we. Uh, appreciate as you get older and you don't have this uh, appreciation at all or even knowledge you know when you're younger just that sort of getting older sort of you know having to deal with things that you didn't realize you can have to deal with like your own health your parents getting older yeah that are happening you know sort of people dying on your you know going to hospital um yeah sort of rediscovering the musical kind of bug again must be kind of a delight to give you that sort of extra enthusiasm in your sort of um latter years most definitely. I mean, like I said, this is the the most exciting thing that has happened to any of us in the last 25 years. And it's just, you know, it's just so, you know, brilliant to be a part of. And, um, you know, it's kind of given us all a, a, a bit of a boost and an and a inspiration to do more things. And it's so it's fantastic. Um, you know, it's just a great thing that's happening. And so we, we keep pinching ourselves and, you know, and saying, wow. Yes. <laughs> you know, and we, do you... We can't quite... And have you managed to put sort of Candy Opera sort of back into the Liverpool scene? Because obviously, having not sort of quite made it, you know, onto that other sort of um, platform like a lot of bands did in the 80s or the indie mm-hmm. world, um, was it sort of, you know, and you probably sort of, a lot of people probably didn't come across the band. Was it nice to sort of manage to sort of get yourself kind of back and sort of part of the Liverpool story? It was. It was really fantastic. And, and we had, uh, when we played the gig last Saturday, we had a, a fantastic um audience um you know we sold the, we sold the gig out so there's probably nearly 200 200 people in there um some of them were you know fans from from uh way back when um so it was really nice to have that kind of uh, homecoming uh gig in liverpool it's really really enjoyable 
Yes, absolutely. Because I know with bands like Death School, they've got this huge kind of cult following, and but they never quite hit that sort of major league or even sort of major indie league kind of world, mm. particularly. I mean, they didn't, didn't. But you know what I mean. It, it, you know, they, but at least they sort of have, people have written books about them, and they've had a lot of kind of yeah. impressed. So, so I was just thinking, it must be quite nice to sort of get your sort of the name of Candy Opera out there, and especially having a kind of a really nice CD collection put together and sort of leave yeah. notes and everything kind of feels a bit like you've kind of gone back and sort of not rewritten rewritten history but I suppose what I've realized from doing this show is that there are there were just so many indie bands and I have to be honest I did miss quite a lot because if John Peel didn't play them even right. them, I didn't record every John Peel show you know because it was been impossible so there were lots of bands yeah slipped through the net and now sort of decades later I'm also sort of not trying to live in the past but I sort of you know, kind of catch up with bands that you think oh god they were really good but you know I, yeah. at the time you know I had 10-15 indie bands and then the other ba sort of bands that John Peel played from different worlds like the Bundu Boys or Gregory Isaacs or sort of that early yeah. and there was only just so many bands you could cope with and then you know and you took it all for granted I think that was the main thing and you must with Liverpool as you know probably took it all a bit like yeah it was absolutely fine but then you sort of see cherry red have put together a, a five cd box set of those mm -hmm. kind of years and think god actually we were really living the dream there <laughs> well i feel I, I don't know i feel like we've kind of got to a, a bit of a step a, a, an increased kind of stage now um where, where we are because we're you know we're now doing things that that you know we haven't done much of before. You know we've got a presence on 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 social media. We've got a a group with, with uh, you know lots of lots of people who appreciate what we're doing, and we're doing things like this. You know interviews on, on for radio stations, and um, you know we're, we're, and we're having a right good time of it. So this is you know these are all kind of new things to us really, um, and uh, you know really enjoyable. So it's yeah. great. It's great that we're having this um, this little period now. Yeah, it's a nice way to start. Well, do you, I mean, one thing that I didn't appreciate, um, or that appreciate that much, I suppose it's to do with success, you know, bands or people who are successful, we often sort of have a love-hate relationship, but but I sort of realised, looking at people now like you too, who I quite like their early albums, but sort of became a bit, you know, blasé about them and not interested, but they're sort of like, wow, you guys really kept it together and saw the big picture and didn't sort of blow it, and I'm, you know, I'm now sort of, I mean, I'm really impressed that the, that those four characters plus all the management and admin managed to sort of do that because obviously most bands don't sort of do it; they sort of lose the plot and they just kind of blow it all up, and that's the end of it. So, with with yeah. Andy Opera, do you have sort of any strategies of how not to um, lose it for the second time? Um, no, not really. <laughs> We're not we're not particularly good strategists, I don't think. <laughs> um, in fact, in fact, traditionally we're not particularly good at, at you know music business things either. But this thing is happening to us now. You know, it's kind of fell on our doorstep, and you can imagine we're over the moon, and we're learning lots. You know, it's, it's been a, it's been a huge learning curve uh, for us. Um, you know, learning learning about how to do things like this and, and promote the band on social media and. And you know, get stuff out there. We're letting the next stage for us is to learn how to do things digitally. You know, we haven't done downloads or anything yet, so we've got to work work out how to do that. So no, no our strategy is um, is all a bit random, <laughs> really, and uh, we are just going to progress as, as as much as we can in the best way that we can. Um, so that's it, really. It's a bit vague, but but that's what we're doing. 
<laughs> That's excellent. Taking it day by day. <laughs> Absolutely. Because the one thing that um, I suppose most bands, I'd say 99%, didn't really ever understand all that world of publishing and, and, and ownership of music. So with yeah. did you find out or did did you sort of suddenly have to learn who owned the music and how to deal with those, those kind of issues of copyright and uh, publishing rights? Yeah, we knew a little bit about it. Uh, just, the, just the basics, really. I mean, we knew we knew that the, obviously the publishing is the, the songwriters' royalties, but then you can get royalties for performance as well, and and you get percentages for releasing records and stuff like that. But we have this time around have to learn a little bit more about it. You know, look into PRS and and, and PPL and all those kinds of things. And you know, we're essentially licensing our stuff to to uh, Fire Station for that first album. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all it's all it's all been a learning curve, uh, really. And it's it's you know, for me personally, it's been an, uh, immense fun learning about how how things work in the business. So yeah. Yes, absolutely. You'll probably be able to get into management now with that sort of knowledge and wisdom. Yeah. So, what would you say to your eighteen-year-old self starting out in music? Because obviously, you've had the experience and decades to think about it as well. So, I wondered what yeah. advice you could impart on someone else. Gosh. Good question. I don't know. Don't give up, Bryce. Don't give up. Keep going. <laughs> um, I don't know what I, I don't know what I'd say to him. I'd say, uh, yeah, just just keep on trucking. <laughs> but it is quite nice because obviously I'm, you know, one of those people who are obsessed about my BBC Four Friday night documentaries on music and bands, and so I've sort of watched most of them with great enthusiasm. Has there been any yeah. plans to sort of document uh, the Candy Opera story? Yes, uh, we have uh, a fantastic uh, guy called Jeff Harrison and another one called Steve Hines, who um, are actually uh, a film company, and uh, they've been kind of following us around. They've, they've come to uh, our rehearsals and uh, filmed little bits and snippets, and they've interviewed us and uh, taken loads of great photos and images of us, and they filmed the um, gig that we did last week. Um, so hopefully, you know, we're going to get get something out of that as well. And we recorded the sound off the desk, so we, you know, we might even have a few more little vids uh, to share with people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's that's another exciting part of the story as well because they, Jeff, uh, Jeff and Steve have been caught up in in the in the whole story of uh, of, of Candy Opera and, and how we've kind of come back to the fore a little bit, and and so they want to kind of document everything that's that's been going on. So I'm not sure when it will be ready. I think these I think these things kind of take time. To all yeah. put together, so, uh, but hopefully sometime next year um, we will have uh, a documentary film about Candy Opera to share with people. So that's something really exciting to look forward to as well. Absolutely excellent. And also, I mean, with your children and your grandchildren, etc. If you like, yeah, you could have grandchildren. I mean, did they think? Because um, obviously you wouldn't have hopefully gone on about being in a band, because obviously they would have thought you were a bit strange. But now that um, you've you've got back into music. Did they think you were at first kind of lying, a bit deluded? You know, did they think, oh, my God, this is the signs of dementia? You know, he's he's gone on about being in a band. There's been no thought about it. And suddenly he keeps on about this record, record label in Germany. I just wonder... I'm not even sure. I mean, I, 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 I can have kids, but... Uh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I just wondered, you know, because when I was speaking to that, um, one of the people from the Daniel Takes a Train or takes the trip. Um, You know, I just wondered if their children were ever sort of thinking, oh my God, dad's really lost the plot this time. You know, he really does think (laughs) the music industry is there. He thinks he's Bono. So I just wondered if your families were thinking, 
Oh my God, he now, he's now made up this whole story and now he's pretending this record label's kind of contacted him <laughs> from Germany. <laughs> so, yeah. so I just wondered if, you know, with, with the, you know, how your families have sort of um, enjoyed or coped with this latest kind of interest. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any, any kids myself, but the other band members do. Um, and in fact, uh, one of them one of them was um, uh, at uh, the gig last week, and so you no, know, so I mean, you, you're probably right. There's probably a bit of a oh my god, embarrassing dad uh, uh, situation going on here. But um, I do wonder if they think, oh, that's actually, dad, that's not that bad. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I was just thinking, you probably have two or three generations in the audience now of people, sort of people who knew, knew then and also sort of the, the next generation's down sort of come to see the band, which that must be, you know, it's yeah. like one of those great sort of Richard Curtis kind of Channel 4 films, really, of, of seeing um, seeing this, you know, having Tim, Timothy Spall playing somebody on drums or something. You know, it's just quite, <laughs> it's quite a nice story. That's, that's kind of what I no. So, uh, it would be lovely to to uh, reach out a little bit to a to a younger audience as well, you know. Um, it'd be great if, if they picked up on uh, on songs and you know in our in our kind of vein. Yes. Uh, quite heartened, quite heartened by the broadness of uh, young people's taste. Though the ones I've met, have, you know, even even Miles' son has uh, you know quoted thing you know things from our era, era kind of thing. It's like, wow, how do you know that? You know, so it's good. It's quite heartening that. Young, young people are kind of looking back to things as well as, you know, getting into what's contemporary as well. Yes. Well, I suppose in Liverpool you have the Beatles. It's probably hard not to, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> the Cabin Club. But yes, I just wondered also, just lastly, you know, with, with the actual songwriting process, when you read those lyrics that you did t three decades ago, mm -hmm. whether A, you thought, oh, that's very groovy, I can cope with that, that's not too embarrassing. And the material that you're writing now, I just wondered, is it that much different? You know, because obviously subject matter is going to slide yeah. because you've had three decades and we've all got much older. Yeah, I guess I guess inevitably the stuff, uh, I mean, Mal, as you may know, is the main lyricist and, uh, you know, the stuff he's writing now is obviously from his slightly maturer 50-odd-year-old um, perspective Whereas stuff he he wrote, which is actually on the album, where you know when he was a teenager, um, you know he he has said to me he's cringed at a, at a few lines, <laughs> you know he's gone oh god I can't sing I can't sing that anymore I just can't, <laughs> you know, um, but he's been hard on himself, you know I I think I think he's great and 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 I also think the stuff he writes now is great um, from from his current perspective, so um, he's he's learning to accept that those songs he wrote in his naive teenage years are, you know, part of Candy Opera's history, you know, part of the band's history and part of the band's development. So um, he's accepted that now, I think. Which is a good thing. And that, dear listener, is the end of the interview. Thank you for listening and a big thank you to Brian to give me, for giving me that time uh, from Candy Opera. If you want to contact me for whatever reason... Who knows? You can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do at C86Show. It's always nice to hear from you. And also all these shows have been archived. And you can find those on Spotify, iTunes and Podbean. Anyway, there you go. And um, I do believe Candy Opera have got a compilation that came out. I can't quite remember the year label. He probably says it in the interview. But anyway, you can find out more information if you just Google away. Anyway, stay safe. Have a great week. <laughs>